Blog Talk Radio. to the Frontier Beyond Fear. I'm Susan Larison-Dans, and today is Saturday, December 16th, 2023, and this show is coming to you a bit earlier than its normal live time. Normally, this show airs live Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to those of you joining me live. Some of you may not have heard this show before. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio for highlighting this show on their front page while it is live, and I appreciate that very much, bringing some of you here who may not have heard the show before. Today, no matter where you are in the world, because I do very much recognize that um, there are listeners all over the world, we are nearing the solstice. Here, I am nearing the winter solstice. You may be nearing the summer solstice. And I have come to realize, and we will see this reflected um, in some writings that I'm going to read in a little bit, Um, that there is beauty to be found at every time of year. And I find that more and more I appreciate um, the quiet of the winter solstice as the light retreats and we have um, an earlier nightfall, Um, there is a kind of peace, and we are encouraged, I find I am encouraged at that time of year to slow down earlier, to get comfortable earlier in the day, just naturally. Same thing in the morning. Um, I am encouraged now that in my life, in my schedule, I don't have a rigid morning schedule, though I do have work that is scheduled every day. I find that my natural rhythm um, lends itself to um, resting a bit later into the morning. In the summer, it's much different. I jump out of bed early because I want to walk early while it's cool. Um, Maybe at night, um, there just is this tendency that, you know, there are more activities in the evening. And it's a different rhythm, a different rhythm to our lives, whether we're in the summer or the winter. Winter, no matter where you are, um, has tremendous beauty. If you look for it, it is not stark. It can have a starkness to it compared to how lush and beautiful summer 
can be. And depending on where you are, that can very much vary. Whether you are in the country or the city, I've lived in both places. Um, I am so thankful that a lot of my time I've lived very close to wide open natural spaces and I've been able to explore that or right in the midst of it, right on the edge or right there. And that's by design too because I know that that's where I need to be. But at the same time, when you are in a city or no matter where you are, so many times I've talked I've talked of experiences I've had where a loved one was in the hospital, for example, or perhaps if you've been in the hospital, you may be in the hospital right now recovering or maybe feeling like, um, you know, you can't go out right now. There is beauty to be discovered even in those places. I do want to encourage you once again, certainly in the U.S., if you're in the hospital or with a loved one, even just on the television, rather than watching something that's very frenetic, the news, something that isn't restful, a lot of times hospitals will have a channel where they show beauty. And I was so happy to discover, through quite a stressful period, um, that I could sit with my loved one and there was soft music playing and that the beauty on this channel changed throughout the day. It, It matched what was happening outside. So around sunrise, you had pictures of sunrise or video flowing. Um, Later in the day, the sunset, and then at night, in the middle of the night, when sometimes you're up, there were the stars. And there was that reminder that we are inseparable from the stars, inseparable from the universe, from the multiverse. My father, many years ago, when he passed away, In the winter, I talked to him. I arrived at his bedside just in time. There were many miracles there. But after that, I had the opportunity to talk to him. And he was not seeming to be aware, but he did become aware noticeably right before he transitioned. And I've told this story before. I'll tell it quickly. He saw something. We witnessed it. He he opened his eyes, he looked around at us, at, and then he looked up, and you could see in his eyes this look of, what is that? Like it was just something was unfolding before him with intricacy and beauty. I always tend to think it was maybe a tunnel of light. It wasn't a recognition of a person That had happened some days before when he had, actually a little bit earlier than that, when he had had a fall and he was shouting out to his mother and father like they were in the room. This show is not about near-death experiences today, but what I want to point out is I talked to him of the stars um, before he died. And when I walked out of, of, um, it wasn't um, a hospital, he was in, a hospice setting in a center at that point. It was late. It was probably early morning by that time, but it was late, and it was a cold winter's night. And we looked up, or I looked up, as I was to drive 
um, my sister and my mother home. And um, I looked up, and actually I can't quite remember, since I had arrived there, I actually had arrived there by um, taxi in those days. You didn't really have other service. I'm trying to think, how did we get home? But I think I was... I was I did end up driving because I was the more confident driver at night. Whatever I know, we didn't take anything to get home. It's funny how details arise. But I looked up as we're walking to the car, and what did I see? The stars. And I thought about my father, and I knew that he was with the stars now, that he could see them fully, and so beauty in that moment, reached down to me. And, you know, I get a little choked up as I think of it. Beauty was there for me in that moment and in a profound and transcendent way. Another time with a loved one in the hospital, we had a room the same room where they were showing those beautiful videos. And my loved one was confined to bed and couldn't really see this as well as I could. But I was sitting by the window, and what was below? Beautiful forest. Yes, we were at the edge of a city, but there was the beautiful forest of the Pacific Northwest. Or another time, a panoramic view in the lunchroom where I had kept going it over and over, Um, and what was there, an entire mountain range, the Rocky Mountains, in all their glory. There can be small things. Often, there's just a courtyard. Maybe there's simply a plant. There's a reason why people bring flowers and other things to the room to cheer it up. It's alive. It's beauty. When I was in graduate school, when I first moved, I lived in a very modest apartment. It was probably built at the time. This was in the early 90s. Or, um, and um, actually, when I first arrived there, trying to think of that time, it was right around... The, the late 80s, early 90s, right, right. I'm trying to think if I was there in 1989. Anyway, these details don't matter so much as what did I see? The window of this very modest apartment, which looked down on the back of a gas station, literally the back. And I've had other apartments even before then. I had one that was behind a um, shopping center. And, but if you looked above the shopping center, you saw the, the Rocky Mountains in that particular case. Um, so you had to focus on the beauty. And there's there are interesting things to be seen among human activity, too. I still remember watching the activity out there. There's something to be seen there. But what I noticed most in this window, which was higher than most, were the clouds and how the clouds where I was in Illinois tended to race across the sky faster. They were different than what I was used to in Colorado. And I observed them all the time. 
the trees were beautiful. There were so many trees. I had grown up in a more arid climate. It's not as if I'd never left to see some other things, but to actually live in a new place, which I hadn't before, outside of that arid climate, I really noticed the beauty. So I encourage you, as we near the solstice, wherever you are, to reflect upon your patterns, see how you are responding to the period of greatest light or of the least light. How does your pattern change? How are you living in that flow? Oh, I've had many times in my life, both at work and as a parent, where I didn't have control over my daily schedule at all in terms of when I would get up or even when I would be at sleep sometimes. And if you have the option, if you're in a space, maybe you're on vacation and it's a less hectic vacation than some. I know the holidays are a hectic time of year. Um, we all have things scheduled. I have things scheduled on some days. Um, and um, But when you have the opportunity to surrender to your natural rhythm, allow it. I have spoken in the past about this notion in the U.S. of changing to all daylight saving time or all um, standard time and that I have made quite a logical case that that's not a good idea because we actually change the clocks. Not only does it depend on where you are, how far north, how far south, how much you would feel that, but it actually matches especially in fact, precisely for people who do have schedules, whether going to work or to school that are regular, your, um, your time awake is matched better with the available daylight. And the morning is very important for the elderly, for example, or for anyone who has any difficulty getting around. Um, if it were it allowed to be dark much farther into the morning, and it would be very late if we chose to go down the path, as some have advised. This would cause a lot of trouble for people. And so sometimes we have, we do have to acknowledge that we've imposed a schedule on nature but what's so interesting, and it probably isn't completely by design, Some other, another story that I've told that in the 70s when this was tried, people hated it. It was dark so late into the morning. Kids were walking in the dark to their school bus. I have talked about I lived through that. I was in elementary school, and I, I probably experienced it too. I can't quite remember it, but um, it just didn't work. And honestly, it's only the southern states who are really pushing for that because, um, in fact, it originated in Florida because they want to have recreational opportunities available later in the evening that they can sell. So it has a totally non-natural um, 
um, profiteering type motive as to why they want to do that. And it really would not be in our best interest. If we did, and that's if we extended daylight savings time all year. And yes, there are places where it happens, but you're farther south, so you don't notice it as those farther north would. So I've digressed a little, but it does have to do with our natural rhythms. I do have some selections to read. One I planned right at the last minute. The other, um, well, the show was designed at the last minute, as it often is, spontaneously. One I knew that I would read again, because I've said many times that repetition with poetry is important. And this poem always speaks to us, especially in these times. Another um, I just opened to, and I don't think I've ever read it. I've read some of this author. Um, what I read, I am guided to read based on what I have here. And um, so let's um, proceed. This is for those of you, well, it's for all of us, but it's especially relevant for those of you who, um, well, I suppose it is relevant to us in a way here because as we get past the winter solstice, before we know it, it will be early spring because this is lines written in early spring by William Wordsworth who lived 1776 to 1850. I heard a thousand blended notes while in a grove I sate reclined in that sweet mood when pleasant thoughts bring sad thoughts to the mind. To her fair works did nature link the human soul that through me ran, and much it grieved my heart to think what man has made of man. Through primrose tufts in that green bower the periwinkle trailed its wreaths, and tis my faith that every flower enjoys the air it breathes. The birds around me hopped and played their thoughts I cannot measure, but the least motion which they made, it seemed a thrill of pleasure. The budding twigs spread out their fan to catch the breezy air. And I must think do all I can that there was pleasure there. If this belief from heaven be sent, if such be nature's holy plan, have I not reason to lament what man has made of man? This poem, which is very well known, was composed in 1798, and nature within it is always capitalized. Especially, especially when we are feeling 
the challenges and the poignancy of these times. Some of you may be very close to some very harsh things. I realize that this audience is quite dispersed. It's quite... um, I cannot fathom what it may be like to be near or within some of the things that some of you may be experiencing. And even here in the U.S., there are difficulties that people are going through. We all have challenges in our lives. And nature is our refuge. We have so much to be thankful for when it comes to the beauty that is around us and available to us. There was quite a large solar flare recently. We could be moving into a more active time. We have no way of knowing if all of our um, development in this modern world we have no way of knowing how long it will even last because the sun is fully capable of creating a solar flare large enough to basically shut it all down. What we would see at first, we'd see incredible auroras wherever you are, and that's probably going to be the case now. I haven't really looked at the forecast exactly, but there will be spectacular auroras. But if all our lights were gone, let's just suppose it was dark, we would see what we have not seen enough of in our lifetimes unless you've managed to be fortunate enough to go to a place that is quiet enough to see it. The stars, the stars, the Milky Way, they would be spectacular. There's a YouTube video somewhere I've run across, you can probably find it if you search, that shows what modern cities would look like if they were under the Milky Way, if you could see the Milky Way, if you could see the stars, what would they look like? We just don't even have that experience now, and it's sad It's sad that we don't have the experience of the stars or of more untamed nature because those who came before us had a different relationship with the omnipresent divine because of what they saw. Yes, it can inspire awe, but we can also be reminded that we are inseparable from the omnipresent divine, inseparable from the beauty, inseparable from the stars, just as I observed on that winter's night when my father passed away. And I told him so, that soon, soon, he would see the stars up close. He saw something as he was transitioning, and I will never forget that. There is life after life. That is a part of the evidence, what I've seen, 
And there's plenty of evidence if we look. I have another reading. This is what I opened to. I had planned the lines written in early spring, as much planning as goes, as goes into this show, which isn't a lot. It's meant to be spontaneous. That's how I do it. I knew that I wanted to look for something in Ralph Waldo Emerson. I will say that. And the first thing that showed up on the page before where I turned, and actually it continued onto the page, I saw the end of it. I will read because it wants to be read since I I turned to it. Ralph Waldo Emerson celebrated nature. He had a um, transcendent view of our relationship with the divine This is what synchronistically appeared. Earth Song. Oh, and Ralph Waldo Emerson lived 1803 to 1882. Earth Song. Mine and yours. Mine, not yours. Earth endures. Stars abide. Shine down in the old sea. Old are the shores. But where are old men? I, who have seen much, such have I never seen. The lawyer's deed ran sure in tale to them and to their heirs. Who shall succeed without fail forevermore? Here is the land shaggy with wood. With its old valley, mound, and flood? But where are the heritors? Fled like the flood's foam, the lawyer and the laws, and the kingdom, clean swept here from. They called me theirs, so who so controlled me? Yet every one wished to stay and is gone. How am I theirs if they cannot hold me? But I hold them. When I heard the earth's song, I was no longer brave. My avarice cooled like lust in the chill of the grave. That was written in 1847. What I was looking for in Ralph Waldo Emerson's works was something from his essay on nature. But what I found was Earth Song, and some of those lines should be familiar to many of you because they have been repeated and they probably sounded familiar. Certainly a couple of very famous lines from that poem. Before I proceed with a reading from nature since I see the live show is nearing its end so we'll put it in the podcast that relatively short reading I do want to thank those of you who have been listening live to this spontaneous show as it often is in fact always is anymore there's some planning sometimes It's intended to be what it is. It gives me joy, and I hope that it feeds your soul. 
I know that some of you are now coming in from the future. Um, my life has been in a quiet space over some years, and that's changing now. And I'm going to be getting out again more and speaking again. And you'll know more about this soon. So welcome to those of you who are listening to the podcast across time. Those of you who have discovered this show and are exploring in the archive. I hope you find what you're looking for. The normal time of this show, I will remind those of you as the live show, Nears its end is indeed Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And you can that's on Blog Talk Radio. On the syndicates, you will find the podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and other places. I still aim to expand that more. FrontierBeyondFear.com is the site where you can learn more about the show. LightedBridge.com is where you can learn a bit more about me. And both are going to be expanding a bit some more as things start happening that are really interesting in support of our future here, a productive future where we recognize Productive in the sense that we recognize our relationship with nature and one another and with the omnipresent divine. So thank you, live listeners, for being here. And you can listen to the rest of this show in the podcast. So I will proceed with reading what I found also, I wasn't sure what I was going to read from this essay. That, too, I had to kind of discover, but I was looking for the essay when I found Earth Song, the poem. This is, again, Nature, an essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson, who lived 1803 to 1882. Let's see. Now I'm getting there a little bit earlier than I expected. Well, fine, I'll start earlier. It seems like it wants to be read earlier. Again, I'm just guided to these readings with a little bit of... Sometimes I just open the book. We might even try that in a bit. But um, (laughs) this is what I found just now that's a little earlier. In fact, it echoes what I just said, which is also synchronistic. Not less excellent, except for our less susceptibility in the afternoon, was the charm last evening of a January sunset. The western clouds divided and subdivided themselves into pink flakes modulated with tints of unspeakable softness. And the air had so much life and sweetness that it was a pain to come within doors. What was it that nature would say? Was there no meaning in the live repose of the valley behind the mill, and which Homer or Shakespeare could not reform for me in words? 
the leafless trees became spires of flame in the sunset. With the blue east for their background and the stars of the dead calluses of flowers and every withered stem and stubble rimmed with frost contribute something to the mute music. This is where I thought I was starting this passage. See how beautiful that passage is and how it echoes what I said about winter? That I've been noticing that on my walks, how you see the flowers. There are a lot of sunflowers that are, you know, they're they're no longer, um, they, they are exactly the dead calluses of flowers, as he puts it. Um, but they have a beauty all their own in the winter. Let's continue where I had intended to start. The inhabitants of cities suppose that the country landscape is pleasant only half the year. I please myself with the graces of the winter scenery and believe that we are as much touched by it as by the genial influences of summer. To the attentive eye, each moment of the year has its own beauty, and in the same field, it beholds every hour a picture which was never seen before and which shall never be seen again. The heavens change every moment and reflect their glory or gloom on the plains beneath. The state of the crop in the surrounding farms alters the expression of the earth from week to week. The succession of native plants in the pastures and roadsides, which makes the silent clock by which time tells the summer hours, will make even the divisions of the day sensible to a keen observer. The tribes of birds and insects, like the plants punctual to their time, follow each other, and the year has room for all. By water courses, the variety is greater. In July, the blue pondideria or picara weed blooms in large beds in the shallow parts of our pleasant river and swarms with yellow butterflies in continual motion and can't, can't, art cannot rival this pomp of purple and gold. Indeed, the river is a perpetual gala, and both each month a new ornament. I'm trying to decide whether to continue. I think we'll stop there, but I really just turned to that as well. There couple of passages I thought okay where's the passage it took me about two three tries I knew I was looking in nature an earth song appeared on its own the poets have said and we derive from scratch speaking as a mathematician might we derive from scratch again and again the same observations in our own way. They're never exactly the same. 
of the beauty around us. And how many times have I observed the very thing that every day looking at a similar scene, look out your window. You don't have to be in a wild place. Look at the sky. It's different every day. In every instant, it will never be the same. Every snowflake is different. So are we. Do you realize just how beautiful you are? Sure, we have our imperfections as human beings. That's why we're here. I have a lot to say about human creativity that I've been reflecting on, and this will have something to do with my unfolding work and speaking coming up. Because it's really become apparent to me how these things that may be crutches, as much as I appreciate that I have this medium to speak within, I need no crutch except the voices from the past. I need no technological crutch to help enhance my voice, to make it better in some way, to make, you know, to um, to really replace my own spontaneous creativity. Value your intuitive, spontaneous creativity. So maybe you don't word something as perfectly as you might. You word it the way that you word it. Maybe your art is not what it would be. I was thinking last night, for example, about how when I was young, um, the original Star Wars, and we can go way back, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about here, but this was with relationship to the original Star Wars that I saw in 1977 when it opened and the special effects at that time some of them were literally painted on glass and sometimes what I've really noticed when I look at older films going far before this and this is just in the time that we've had film which is a relatively recent development how beautiful the credits are and how boring they are now because we're using high technology to generate them how art was different how even using models like they used to use models for special effects and here you know we're kind of talking within the realm of technology because this is about technology but even how it evolves is changing the nature of creativity and something is lost is what I'm trying to say. And it's very similar to the rediscovery of vinyl records and how everybody loves those now, and I grew up with those. There is an imperfection to a vinyl record. You may hear a pop. Oh, how you were upset if you happened to scratch one of your favorite tunes. We're like a vinyl record in a way. We're not supposed to be... When I'm speaking right now, I just did it. It's not supposed to flow perfectly. 
I know I have a natural flow and at times a natural eloquence, and I am so thankful for that because when I was young, I couldn't do this, only in writing. Somehow, within the space of my own awakening, my spontaneous spoken voice was also awakened. We need to treasure our intuitive, spontaneous creativity, even that which is not so spontaneous that we work so very diligently on, the painter working on a masterpiece. It comes from our hearts, from our souls. We think, we think that it's improving our lives somehow to be replaced by AI or to be um, somehow enhanced. AI, if put to a use that would help us with proving the spiritual nature of the world, it could do it because it would surface synchronicities and things that can't be easily explained. That it could do. There are so many things I could say, and this isn't the show really to say it in, except, except that we are placing our trust in something that is even more imperfect than we are. It is fed by imperfect data, so that alone will make it imperfect, and there have been plenty, plenty of examples of that that have already arisen. How we do things as living beings cannot be so easily simulated. How can you claim to be recreating consciousness or even think that you found a way or you're looking for a way to contain our consciousness when you don't even know what consciousness is? The materialistic mindset can't think outside the box, and those boxes do not actually contain reality. The same is true, and we are reminded when we look at how astonishing beauty is, the wildness of it. Sure, some algorithm could try to recreate it, combine different things from the past to seem to create something new. But nature and the omnipresent divine have infinite creativity at their disposal. And so do you. Be who you are treasure who you are and yes in these busy times in these tumultuous times in whatever challenges you are facing find that breathing space in the midst of beauty wherever you are you can find it and you can treasure that 
as well. Treasure it every day. Feel it every day. Find it every day. The irony of this show today is I scheduled it at this time because I have various things coming up in this weekend that I need to do, and I wanted also to make this show fit around my own opportunity to get out for a while and explore beauty. That, to me, was a higher priority in my schedule. That shows how I feel. I love this show. I care about those of you who come to it at the normal time, but today I needed some time to feed my soul because I know um, it just works better that way today. Most days, most Saturdays, I can be here at the normal time, though in the winter that may change a little, Um, because the best time to get out into nature in the winter is much different than in the summer. And that's about the time when I do my show. So I will do it. It's just that today it was a little bit too constrained, And I wasn't going to allow that. Free yourself from expectation. Place your priority on your well-being. The flow of this program of my voice is a part of my own well-being, too. And I appreciate it very much. And I thank you. Now, those of you listening now are listening to the podcast, but... Those of you who did start listening live, perhaps, thank you for being flexible today. Perhaps you discovered something new. And yes, I am thankful to Blog Talk Radio for highlighting this show on their homepage consistently while it's live. There's always something to be thankful for, and I thank the syndicates as well, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and others. And I thank all of you for being here with me today, whenever or wherever you are across time. You are present here with me in the space of the omnipresent, ever-present, loving, divine. Take care, everyone. See you next time.